first reading is Isaiah 5, 1 to 7, uh, and that can be found on page 690 in one of the Red Church Bibles. Uh, and there uh, it says this, uh, I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. Uh, my, love, my loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could, could have been done for my vineyard than I've done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither prunes nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. And then our second reading, if you turn with me to John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17, and on the Red Church Bibles, that is page 1083. Uh, And there we see this. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from the Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Thank you for reading, Sam. If you'd like to keep John chapter 15 open in front of you. That will help. Help me a lot. It'll help you a lot too. John chapter 15. And as we look at this passage together, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, as your word is preached this morning, we ask that you would incline our hearts to you, that you would open our eyes to behold wonderful things in your word. 
that you would unite our hearts to fear your name and that you would satisfy us with your steadfast love. Help us to listen and help us to hear you as you speak, we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. As Sam said, we're taking a pause from Luke uh, this morning and we're jumping over to John. So in John 15. And the question I want us to be thinking about this morning is here on the screen. How can we be fruitful right now? Now, in some ways, fruitfulness is a strange phrase to be using. It's obviously the one that this passage gives us. But what do I mean when I use it? Well, Christians are called to be effective, to be productive as they wait for Jesus to return. We're not just left to simply sit around, to remove ourselves from the world and to hide away. No, Christians are called to bear fruit. You can see that in verse 8 of our passage this morning. John 15, verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As we'll see, to be fruitful, as this chapter puts it, or to be productive, is all about sharing the good news of Jesus. To be making other disciples, sharing Jesus' words. So here's my question again. How can we be fruitful? How can we get on with that right now? Now, perhaps as you hear me asking that question, your mind jumps straight to the current situation. Dave, you you have heard of COVID-19, right? Now is not the time to be talking about being fruitful, being effective, being productive. The country has ground to a halt, and we're only possibly just getting things going again until last night, when Boris finally told us we're having a second lockdown. See, our workplaces have changed Many more people are working from home. Conversations with our co-workers have been hindered. Reaching out with the good news of Jesus to our neighbours, well, it's been made more difficult. It's had an impact, hasn't it? And as a church, we've been impacted too, haven't we? As I look out here as a, at a sea of masked faces with a, a camera pointing directly at me, it's quite obvious, isn't it? We've been affected. Just think about our church calendar. Our big church weekend away was cancelled. Our weekly growth groups have moved online. And we've all had to learn to Zoom. Who would have understood what that meant just this time last year? And now Christmas is coming up, and our our usual opportunities to evangelise seem to have been dashed. Carol singing, gone. Nativity scene, scrapped. Gingerbread housemaking, off the table. Is church really fruitful? Or has it been put on hold? Are we more just trying to survive than to flourish? Are we just trying to keep our heads above water and weather the storm? Surely asking this question, how can we be fruitful right now, is the wrong question. A case of a sermon that has come a bit too early in the church calendar. Maybe better in a few months' time once this whole thing is over. And in fact, Jesus is saying this chapter in John to his disciples at a very big moment too. You see, at this point in John, Jesus has been telling his disciples that he is going away. And he's actually said it's for their good. 
And by the time John had written this gospel, Jesus had already gone to the Father. The star of the show had left the scene. And he's left it all up to some rather ordinary men. How can these men be expected to be fruitful? I mean, surely they would have been more fruitful if Jesus was there with them. Surely if Jesus hadn't left, more people would have come to believe in him. Just imagine the scene. Come to Christchurch Hemel this evening. Jesus will be here. Surely many more people in Hemel would become Christians if that was the case. And as John is writing this gospel, he isn't just thinking about a short period of time. He's got in mind the whole time period between Jesus leaving and Jesus coming back again. That's the time that the disciples find themselves in. And that's the time that we find ourselves in. So how can we be fruitful right now? Well, the shock of our passage this morning is that now is the time to be fruitful. How so? Well, we can be fruitful right now because of Jesus's relationship with his father. Let me repeat that for you. We can be fruitful right now because of Jesus's relationship with his father. Let's have a look at our passage, shall we? Verse 1. I am the true vine. Jesus starts this section of John off with an I am statement. Now, there are seven of these in John. There are seven times when Jesus says, I am something. And each one of those statements, it takes something from the Old Testament, the first half of our Bible, and it lands it squarely onto Jesus. See, each statement where Jesus says, I am, connects us back to a rich tapestry of Old Testament thought. And in saying these five words, I am the true vine, Jesus is taking us back to the job that God's people, the nation of Israel, were called to do in the Old Testament. We saw that earlier when Sam read to us from Isaiah chapter 5, didn't we? The image of the vine, it's used in the Old Testament to talk about the job God had given his people. The job to spread the news of his kingdom to the rest of the world. As the vine spread from its root into all the areas of the planet, it would produce fruit. The world would be filled with the glory of God as the waters covered the sea. Or at least that was the idea. As the Bible story continues, as Isaiah 5 shows, Israel did not do the task they were given. You see, rather than producing good fruit, they produced wild, bad, sour fruit. Isaiah says that instead of justice, they produced bloodshed. Instead of righteousness, they produced distress. They failed in their task. But... God wasn't done yet. See, he made promises of restoring that vine, of turning the fruitless vineyard into a fruitful one. So when Jesus comes onto the scene here in John, he is saying that he is taking on that task and he's doing it the way it should have been done. I am the true vine. Everything that Israel was meant to be, Jesus is. The job of fruitfulness centers, lands squarely, on Jesus, here in John chapter 15. And also, 
on his father. Did you see that? Second half of verse one. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Fruitfulness comes because of Jesus' relationship with his father. Now, this isn't a new idea in John. You only have to read a small part of the gospel to see that everything that Jesus does is in connection with his father. And here it's exactly the same. Jesus is the vine and his father is the gardener. And if you're going to take one thing away, this is the thing to take away. The primary thing here in John chapter 15, the primary thing that guarantees fruitfulness is Jesus' relationship with his father. What do you need for grapes? Well, you need a vine and you need a gardener. You need someone to look after it. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. You can see what that gardening involves in verse 2. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So it will be even more fruitful. You see, the father makes sure that the vine is fruitful. Because the father cares for the son, because the gardener cares for the vine, the vine is fruitful. That's the gist here. That's the big thing in this chapter. Fruitfulness comes because of Jesus' relationship with his father. And that means that the most important part of being fruitful, the most important part of being effective in reaching out to the people around us with uh, the good news about Jesus is Jesus' relationship with his father. Because Jesus is in relationship with his father, the vine is fruitful. Now, as I say that, I'm hoping that something strikes you. What is that? Well, it should strike you that nothing has changed. Of course, a lot has changed over the past 2,000 years. But if what I'm saying is right, if fruitfulness relies on Jesus' relationship with his father, then nothing has changed. The vine is fruitful for that reason, and it's going to continue to be. See, that should bring us joy. It's incredibly refreshing when you think about it. It means that nothing Absolutely nothing can get in the way of the vine being fruitful. No failure in me, no failure in you, not even a global pandemic can get in the way. The only thing that could stop the vine being fruitful is Jesus' relationship with his father, if that was to end. Or let me put it more simply, the only way the vine is not going to be fruitful is if God was to stop being God. Let me tell you, that is not going to happen. And on the flip side, it means that nothing else can make the vine more fruitful. No new initiatives, no new knowledge, no big events. Zoom, live streaming, Facebook advertising, carol singing, none of that is going to change how fruitful the vine is. The vine is fruitful because of Jesus' relationship with his father. And that is not going to change. So that's how we can be sure that the vine will be fruitful. But how can we be part of that? Remember our question, how can we be fruitful 
right now? How can we be fruitful right now? Now You might have noticed Jesus has only mentioned himself and the Father up to this point. So how do we fit in with that? How do the disciples hearing this fit in with that? Well, that's our second point this morning. We can be fruitful because we are connected to Jesus. We can be fruitful because we are connected to Jesus. That's where Jesus goes next. You can see that in the way that Jesus reframes his point in verse 5. Have a look at that verse with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, Jesus is still the vine, but the new information here is about the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, to help us see what Jesus is saying here, we need to know something about plants. Now, I know we have some keen gardeners here at Christchurch Hemel, and I hope that I'm not going to let you down with this big information I'm about to share with you. Are you ready? A branch is part of a vine. A branch is part of a vine. I hope that's not new or shocking to you. You see, a branch, it receives everything it needs from the vine. A branch is a branch because it is connected to the vine. If the branch was to leave the vine, it wouldn't work anymore. And that's the same here. Everything we do, every part of being a Christian comes from being connected to Jesus. Do you see that? So, if we were to make this all about us, well, we'd be missing the point. If we were to think that fruitfulness comes down to how well we're doing, well, we're not actually listening to what Jesus says here. Of course, don't mishear me. There are things that Christians are to do. This is not an excuse to let go and let God or sit back and relax. But fundamentally, we need to remember that fruitfulness comes from Jesus' relationship with his father. And we are connected to him. To ignore that and to think primarily about ourselves is to miss the point. Saying that, though, there are two things that uh, Christians, that disciples are to do as part of the fruitful vine here in these verses. Two things. Remain and ask. Let's have a look at the first one, shall we? Remain. Have a look at verses 3 to 7. And children, if you've got a Bible in front of you, have a look and see how many times you can count the word remain as I read it for us now, okay? See if you can count how many times the word remain comes up. Are you ready? John 15, 3 to 7. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. How many have we got? Eight, apparently. We've got eight. 
Now, when I think back to my granddad, one of the big things that I remember about him was that he was a gardener. He always had tomatoes and runner beans on the go. It meant my parents' fridge was always full of tomatoes and runner beans. It meant that I always had to eat tomatoes and runner beans. But he also had a greenhouse, a greenhouse that only he was allowed to go into. I'd remember he'd have uh, bits of bamboo ready to hold his plants up. He'd have green twine uh, to help them grow in the right direction. But one thing he didn't have to help his plants with was remaining part of themselves. Now, I didn't inherit my granddad's gardening genes. You only have to come to my house and look at my garden. But I know that remaining is not something that a branch really needs help to do. I mean, you don't see the Chelsea Flower Show awarding certificates for the best remaining branch. You don't see Alan Titchmarsh giving advice on how to keep your branch connected to your tree. You see, remaining is just something that a branch does, isn't it? It's it's a default setting. And Jesus says the same thing goes for his followers. Have a look at verse 5 with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, to be fruitful, it comes down to being part of the vine. And as I've said, being part of the vine is the default setting. That means that asking the effectiveness question is actually a bad question. Are you remaining enough? It just makes no sense in that light, does it? Are you being fruitful enough? It just doesn't work. No, a, a, Christian, is, a Christian in Christ is a fruitful Christian. Simple as. But what about verse 6? If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Well, wait a minute, what's going on there? How is it possible to not remain then? Unfortunately, Jesus answers that for us. Verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You see, to remain, it means to listen to Jesus' words, to listen to Jesus' words and have them in you, have them affect you. That's what remaining is. You can see that actually in the link between verses 2 and 3. You've got a pruned branch in verse 2, and that pruned branch is a fruitful branch, verse 2. And the word clean in verse 3 is actually the exact same word as prune. So a clean branch is a pruned branch, and both of those are because of Jesus' words, because of the words Jesus have spoken. See, this is all, down, all comes down to Jesus' words. So to not remain is the opposite of that which means it's to stop listening to Jesus, to not have Jesus' words. Now, that doesn't mean missing your daily Bible reading. That doesn't mean that the person who missed an opportunity with their neighbour is this person. Let me make this clear to you today. If you are a Christian, this does not mean you. Instead, It means someone like Judas, who just a few pages before this had gone out into the night. Someone like Judas, who had deliberately, actively left Jesus behind. Someone who chose to ignore and detach himself 
from those words that have eternal life. See, fruitfulness primarily comes down to being connected to Jesus, not from how well you're doing at your morning devotions, not from how well you can remember facts of the Bible, not even how good your church attendance is. Useful though those things are, they're at best secondary. See, the primary way of being fruitful is to be connected to Jesus. Fruitfulness comes down to remaining in him, listening and obeying what he says. You could say good fruit comes from a good root. See, the key to fruitfulness is being connected to the vine, remaining in the vine. And it comes down to asking. That's the second thing we see here in verses 7 to 11. Let me read verse 7 for us again. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now this isn't a blank check. This isn't a name it and claim it or a blab it and grab it kind of verse. If you were to think that, that's to remove it from its context. See, the way to really understand what this verse is saying, like all parts of the Bible, is to plug it into what's going on around it. Unfortunately for us, verse 8 comes after verse 7. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So can you see, the asking is to do with the fruit bearing. The asking is to do with the fruit bearing. Ask, Jesus says, so that you can bear fruit. If you want to be part of the vine, if you want to be fruitful, you should ask. Ask to be part of that big plan of God to spread into the whole world. Ask to be used by God to reach those around us with Jesus' words here in Hemel Hempstead. And did you notice the promise the end of verse 7? It will be done for you. See, because disciples are connected to Jesus, and because Jesus is in relationship with his Father, you can be fruitful. No, not just that. Because disciples are connected to Jesus, and because of Jesus' relationship with his Father, you will be fruitful. As I've said, remaining is just something that a branch does. It's got nothing to do with the branch, whether it produces fruit, it all comes down to the vine. Good fruit comes from a good root. And if remaining is just what a branch does, well, it, it takes something active to stop that happening. It takes actively, deliberately choosing to stop listening to Jesus. Again, isn't that really good news? See, it doesn't come down to how well I'm doing in reading my Bible in a year. It doesn't come down to how effective an evangelist I am. It is simply not blocking my ears. To remain a branch is the default setting. Now, if you're listening to me right now, and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, I think this here is a compelling piece of information, a compelling bit of evidence. I think this is something you ought to consider How has the church, how has Christianity spread so much over history? When you really think about it, it's beyond belief. 
How the news of one man in a relatively obscure part of the world, oppressed by all sorts of people, became the world-changing movement that it is. How did 12 men, most of those fishermen, how were they able to convince and persuade millions of people around the world that their story was true? How today, even with the scandals and abuses found sadly inside the church, has the vine continued to grow and reach more and more people? You see, there's no way that a man-made idea, especially one like this, would be able to do that. Instead, it's because Jesus has gone to his father, because Jesus is on his throne. You see, it's a good thing, actually, that it's not down to what Christians do. It's good that fruitfulness doesn't come down to me, that it doesn't come down to you. Instead, we ought to stop looking at the branches and instead take a step back and look at the vine. Look at what Jesus has done and his relationship with his father. Christians, we just remain and ask. And our third point then this morning, how can we be fruitful right now? Or simply, by getting on with it. See, if nothing has changed between Jesus and the Father, and nothing has changed in our connection to Jesus, just as the disciples, if you want to be fruitful, well, you can be. If you're connected to Jesus, you will be. So the time for fruit bearing is now. And that's Jesus' point here in the rest of this passage. Have a look at verse 12. And children, this time, here's another repeated word for you. See if you can spot what the repeated words are in this section, okay? A little bit harder than last time. See if you can spot what the repeated words are. Verses 12 to 17. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Let me give you the answers, kids. Just notice the language here, everybody. Verse 12, command. Verse 14, command. Verse 16, chosen and appointed. Verse 17, command. See, this is actually Jesus telling his disciples to go. This is Jesus telling us to go. Just like a recruit receiving their first orders. This is a commissioning. A commissioning that is flowing from being connected to the vine. Remember, everything here in John 15 comes from that image from remaining and asking as a branch that is connected to that vine. And this actually explains the friend language too. Did you see that? Another repeated word there. Verses 13 to 15. It might be tempting to read that as chum or as buddy. But to do that would be actually to miss what Jesus is saying here. Actually, when you think about it, it leads to some weird results too. For example, does verse 14 say you're only Jesus' mate if you do what he says? That doesn't match my definition of a friend. Don't know about yours. And surely these guys have been mates for a while now. I mean, they've had three years together, and Jesus has chosen these guys to eat his final meal with. 
No, instead we get told what being a friend of Jesus is here in verse 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. So what's Jesus saying here? Well, he's saying that a friend is someone who knows the details, someone who knows the plan, someone who knows his friend's business. In this case, it's somebody who is confident in who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing. If you don't believe me, John's used this already in John. This is John chapter 3, verse 29. Just notice those words again. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. You see, a friend of Jesus is someone who is joyful at what Jesus is doing. And actually, that's why Jesus can say what he says in verse 11. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. See, a friend of Jesus is someone who knows what Jesus is doing and joyfully gets involved. What does that look like? Well, it looks like loving one another and bearing fruit that will last They're basically what they say on the tin, actually. Verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Now, that's the opposite of the bad fruit we saw in Isaiah chapter 5 earlier. Rather than oppression and outcry, love one another. That love that comes from being Jesus' friend. Verse 13. As Jesus has loved his friends, they're able to love one another. And bearing fruit that will last. That phrase is actually the same phrase that's been coming up all through this passage. You could read it as fruit that will remain. There's another remain for you to add to your list. And in this section, in John chapter 15, what is it that remains? Well, it's the branches, isn't it? That's what remains in John chapter 15. So in this transformed true vine, the fruit is loving one another and making more and more fruit making more and more disciples, sharing Jesus' words, telling people about the kingdom of God. And doing so, it shows us who Jesus' friends are. Those who know what he's doing and are joyful to be involved. If that's you this morning, you can call yourself Jesus' friend. Isn't that good news? As I've said, there's no better time to do all of that than now. Jesus' relationship with his father hasn't changed Our connection with Jesus hasn't changed. So the best time to be fruitful is now. Now, I started our time off with the question up here on the screen. How can we be fruitful right now? I hope the answer is now obvious to you. How can we be fruitful? Or how can we be fruitful? Well, it all comes down to Jesus' relationship with his father. That guarantees that the vine will be fruitful. How can we be fruitful? Well, simply by being part of that vine, by remaining, by being connected to Jesus. How can we be fruitful right now? Well, because nothing has changed. Jesus is still in relationship with his Father, and we are still connected to him. So for the disciples sitting there in the upper room, This is great news. Even though Jesus is leaving them to return to the Father, they will continue to be fruitful. 
The task ahead of them is not impossible, but is instead guaranteed to succeed. As the first readers of John's gospel, uh, a generation later than that, would read this, well, they'd know that there's nothing different that's going to affect their mission. Jesus is still in relationship with his father and they are still connected to him. And as we are here today, on the first day of November 2020, nothing's changed. When we look around us and we see the effects of the current pandemic, as we look around and we see that sea of masks in front of us, as we sit at home next Sunday morning, that's not anything that's going to stop the vine being fruitful. As we read the newspapers and see articles like this, Will coronavirus hasten the demise of religion? Well, we can say no, because Jesus is still in relationship with his father. When we think about Christmas and all the plans we had falling through, when we think back on all the things that were cancelled this year, when we next log on to Zoom rather than spending time physically together, we won't see this time as unfruitful. See, this is the time to be fruitful. This is the best time yet, actually. So let's get on with it. How can we be fruitful right now? Well, because of Jesus' relationship with his Father. Because we are connected to Jesus. So now is the time to be fruitful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the relationship between yourself and Jesus. Thank you that that relationship will not change, that that relationship will not end, and that that makes the vine fruitful. We thank you that we are connected to Jesus and so are fruitful in light of him. And therefore, with all that is going on right now, we pray that we would be fruitful that we would love one another and share the good news of Jesus. Would we not close our ears to what Jesus says, but instead remain in him and continually ask to be used by you to reach those in our lost world. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.